A Canadian journalist infiltrates an international network of violent extremists. They don't care who they maim or hurt or kill. White supremacists who want to spark a race war and incite the collapse of society. Embrace the chaos! And from its ashes, a new world shall rise to victory, white man! I'm Michelle Shepard, and I'll take you inside this movement to learn where it came from and where it's headed next. White Hot Hate, available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm trying to, you know, get a job so I can afford more for my son. But I can't do that if I'm at home with him and not able to work. Faith Aslan is trying to find childcare. The 20-year-old mom lives in the Niagara region of Ontario, and her son Theo is almost 15 months old. Faith says she can't find any daycare, let alone subsidized daycare. She has him on 10 different wait lists, and thus far, no luck. His father works, and I can't go back to work until he's in daycare. And with all the bills, with rent and phone and car and gas, like, I can't. It's barely affordable to live off of maternity leave. The federal government introduced its national child care program in 2021. It promised to bring the average child care cost nationwide down to $10 a day by 2026. But new Statistics Canada numbers show that while affordability has in fact gone up, it is harder to find both subsidized and non-subsidized child care spots. Jordan Burrell knows this very well. She has three kids. Her 10-month-old son, Cairo, has been on multiple wait lists since before he was born. Jordan's in St. Thomas, Ontario. Jordan, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here and talking about this because it's a familiar story and it's really stressful. Um, You've been looking for daycare for about a year now. How are you feeling about finding a spot before your maternity leave is up? Um, It's been extremely difficult and it's really scary. Like frustrating isn't even the word. I would say scary. Um, In my region, we do not have the $10 a day. So it is extremely hard to find a place. Not only that, but the cost of daycare is extremely high Mm. here. Uh, The process for you in terms of trying to find a spot started early. How many wait lists is, is Cairo on? So St. Thomas is a really small town. I have him on six wait lists. I don't think there's many more um, daycares available in my area. So he's on six of the wait lists and it's been over a year. It was October, 2024. So I was about five months pregnant when I started putting him on wait lists. Do you know where you are in line? I mean, one of the things that parents will do, and I say this from some experience, is you get on the wait list and then you start calling back and saying, hi, where are we? Have we moved up? Are we, are we close? Do you know where you are on those wait lists? Yes, it's been pretty disheartening. So my top three, I'm tw- 12th, which is pretty like up there, but it's not, you know, enough because I have to go back to work March 1st. So 12th isn't going to work for me. Then I'm 32, mm. 47, um, 60 something and 87. Those don't sound like you're, you know, next in line by any stretch. No, it won't be happening in the next two months, that's for sure. So it's then looking for private daycares, which is also very hard to find. 
And I think that just we're so desperate to find a place that we're pretty much accepting any space that becomes available. So is that putting our children at risk because of the desperation? We're just saying yes to the first person who says yes to us. How are you doing with all of that? It's really stressful. It is so stressful, just like I kind of heard on your opening there, just all the bills, the cost of living. Um, You need two people working. So once my maternity leave runs out, it's like, what's next? What do I do? It's your birthday on Friday. Is that right? It is. Happy early birthday. It would be a nice birthday gift to get a spot (laughs) for for your son. But if, if that doesn't happen... What happens? I mean, as you said, the, the clock is kind of ticking. You have to get back to work. Maternity leave is going to be wrapping up. So so what happens if you don't find a spot for your son by that time? Um, Because of my credentials, I suppose I've been thinking about taking kids into my house because I am a children's counselor. So that is an option for me, so you, so which just, isn't just, really just, an option for others. Just to be clear. So you would, because of, of your experience and the work that you do, you're considering starting your own daycare? Yes. So whether that be private or not, I really need to look into it. It's like I've been pushing it off, I think, out of fear and frustration. So I really need to get on it and make that decision because he won't be getting into a daycare. There's no way. Can you explain that to me? I mean, how are you going to go about doing that? That's a big step, not putting a child in care, but looking at opening your home up to care. I mean, that says something about about the state of, of, of where you find yourself, but walk me through oh, that decision-making process. How do you go about thinking about that? So if I were to be licensed, I would have to go through Elgin Home Care. That way... Um, Mothers who need to be subsidized could, you know, be in my care or it could be private care. Therefore, I'm just kind of doing my own thing, maybe putting it out there um, on Facebook, even if anyone's looking for child care, which everyone is here. Mm. So it would be, I guess, kind of easy. I'm hoping easy for them to come to me that way. But as you said, everyone- And that's a way for me to make money. When you talk to people in St. Thomas, um, friends or colleagues, or I don't know whether you, uh, on Facebook groups, do you hear from other parents who are in the same situation as you, that that there's this desperate scramble to find not just an affordable space, but any kind of space? Absolutely. I'm on a mom's group and we've all really been freaked out about this. Some moms have been waiting over two years- Um, Some other moms I've been talking to are in the 80s for the wait list. So I'm definitely not the only one in this situation. And a lot of women, as I said, they're just saying yes to the first person who's accepting their children. And I find that kind of scary because I know when I put, put my daughter into daycare, it was kind of up to me. I had my top three. I could interview and put her in a place that I was comfortable with. Now it's like, you got to put them anywhere where they can get in. Mm. And that's kind of scary as a parent, right? You want them in the best place possible. I wish you the best of luck. But it's not available. I wish you the best of (laughs) luck. I mean, whatever decision you make is going to be a difficult one. Um, But uh, it speaks to the situation that I think a lot of Canadians are living through right now. Jordan, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me and having us be heard on this topic. Take good care. 
Jordan Burrell is still trying to find a daycare spot for her son. As you heard, she is in St. Thomas, Ontario. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That issue of $10 a day childcare would be an enormous help for her and for any family. But it is more important for those who are living near the poverty line. There's a new report out of British Columbia that studied the impact that affordable childcare has had on mothers with lower incomes. It's a three-year research project. It was called Making Mothers Matter. Vivica Ellis co-authored that report. She's executive director of the Centre for Family Equity, who partnered with UBC on this report. Vivica, hello to you. Hello, thank you for having me here today. Who are the women who you and your team interviewed for this research? Give us a a bit of a snapshot of who they were. Well, we interviewed 30 mothers. Um, 17 of them are, they're all low-income lone mothers raising children below the poverty line throughout British Columbia. Um, And uh, they were interviewed by seven peer researchers. So mothers like Jordan, like Faith, but they were lone mothers who, um, you know, carried out the interviews and um, determined the research questions. And these mothers, uh, 17 of them, were accessing $10 a day universal childcare spaces, and the other 13 were not. So we were able to compare these these two groups, um, and we had a lot of really interesting data to compare. If they were able to land one of those $10 a day childcare spaces, what impact did that have on their lives? Such a wonderful question because uh, you know what, what we we say that our findings reveal a tale of two child cares in BC. Um, we uncovered the absolutely phenomenal impact of ten dollar a day child care on low income lone mothers. Um, the first huge impact was a reduction in their precarious gig work. So you use this term, Matt, desperate scramble Mm -hmm. when you were speaking to Jordan. Um, And in our report, we refer to this hectic scramble. So for these mothers living far below the poverty line, they tend to work lower wage jobs. Um, They're precariously employed. Often income assistance and disability assistance makes up a part of their income. So they have to scramble to survive, grabbing gig work, maybe driving for skip the dishes, you know, walking dogs, picking up shifts, whatever they can do to survive, let alone, you know, also accessing food banks and filling in forms for subsidies. So this hectic scramble, when they were accessing $10 a day childcare, their uptake of the precarious gig work reduced and um, their uptake of quality full-time and part-time jobs increased. Mm. So that led to this cascade of impacts because our study was actually looking at the the health and well-being impacts of universal childcare on these very marginalized families. So the domino effect was this reduction in their time poverty and this increase in their economic situation led them to be substantially less stressed. You know, they had they were less time poor, so they could make it to the barbecue in their neighborhood. Um, they could access the health care they needed. And they said they talked a lot about becoming less stressed, um, happier parents. And then they talked about the impact of having more time with their children and the very positive impacts um, on their children there. Mm-hmm. So, And some um, did shift right off income assistance to uh, full-time work. So, so many 
fantastic impacts. However, um, we also uncovered the hazards of a very unfinished, half-finished system. So lack of spaces, um, the wait lists, which I think Jordan and Faith um, previously um, very eloquently uh, spoke to the the stress um, and the unfairness of wait lists. Here in BC, many of them have fees and um, there's no transparency, um, lack of ability to accommodate special needs children, hours that don't accommodate the diversity of parents' working lives in terms of shift work, um, and high staff turnover due to low wages. So all of this we uncovered with our data and then the um, control group that was not accessing $10 a day childcare, yeah. we discovered that they did not fare as well at, at all. So they did not experience really any of the, the benefits I just outlined. The language that you use in describing this is fascinating because you call this one of the most powerful poverty reduction tools that that, yeah. that, that you've seen. Um, yes. it, it, it depends though on the availability of those spaces. Right now, BC has something like 13,000 $10 a day spaces. How many more childcare spots at that level does British Columbia need? Well, we're recommending 50,000. 50,000. So yes, that is what we we feel that if we get to 50,000, we could have. The reality is uh, childcare spaces. Now let's be care careful here. Ten. We're advocating for $10 a day universal childcare system. So we haven't seen the impact of, you know, any old space with some fee reductions that require a lot of forms. We haven't seen that those spaces having this fantastic impact on these marginalized low-income families. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, our data points to the power of universal childcare as one of the most powerful, you know, um, poverty reduction strategies that this country could uh, discover um, if we light a fire under building these systems. But the, the risk now, as Jordan and Faith illustrated, is that with these unfinished systems and a lack of spaces, we're actually deepening inequities when it comes to access because, you know, you mentioned, Matt, having to get on the phone and make those calls. Not, every, not everybody can do that, obviously. That's it, right? So, you know, who doesn't have the social capital and the economic ability to pay those fees to lobby their way into childcare. One of our participants likened it to a hunger game uh. um, that you're scrapping with other families and, you know, somebody at the bottom of the list gets in because they happen to know the manager and then so so much for a waiting list. But um, we really need $10 a day spaces as ubiquitous as kindergarten spaces. We have the capacity to build the public infrastructure mm. to create, you know, fair, equitably accessible um, systems with processes and policies in place no. that ensure that fairness. And that is what we need to go for. But here in BC, we're stuck with a system that really serves the lucky few rather than the deserving many, as we outline in our report. All right. So we're going to talk now about, as you said, lighting that fire uh, to build that system across the country. In the meantime, Vivica, thank you very much for this. Thank you very much. Vivica Ellis, Executive Director of the Centre for Family Equity. She was in Vancouver. According to Statistics Canada, the number of parents who reported having difficulty finding childcare increased from 36% in 2019 to 49% in 2023. Marnie Flaherty is the Interim Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Childcare Federation. Marnie, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. Thanks so we, we, we had this conversation in April when the provinces signed the deal with the federal government and we talked about the state of, of affordable childcare then. We wanted to come back and have this conversation now several months later. What's the state 
of access to that $10 a day childcare across this country? Matt, that's a great question. Um, we have to really consider that we've had 50, almost 50 years of um, trying to build a system in childcare through like a market-driven um, system, and it hasn't worked. And listening to Jordan and Faith and Vivica are all the reasons why we need to have a system, build a system across Canada. Uh, everything that Vivica had to say, you know, are things that we're talking about um, in every province and territory. We have to strengthen what we're doing. Mm. Where, where is it? I mean, it's interesting because this is being rolled out at different speeds in different jurisdictions. Where is that initiative to make childcare more affordable, that $10 a day aspirational goal? Where is that already having a meaningful impact? Have you seen jurisdictions where that's that's landing already? Well, I would say that there's some provinces that um, have um, said, yes, you know, we're going to have $10 a day and they're going to make it happen. Other provinces probably have a little more childcare and trying to figure out how to, um, you know, how to roll it out in, um, faster. Uh, I think it's important to think about that um, every province has some positive things happening. Quebec is the, um, you know, the flagship that if we could look to Quebec and learn from that and then and help each province grow. Uh, but really, this national investment has been Excellent, and we should really be proud of, of of signing on to every province and territory. Now, then, the premier's jobs are to make sure it's implemented mm. and rolled out. What, I want to get to the implementation in just a second, but yeah. why is it? I mean, I said in the introduction that parents are having increased difficulty in finding childcare, up to forty nine percent last year. Why is access to non subsidized childcare even harder to find now? Well, there just isn't enough of it. And I think the good news, Matt, is parents actually feel like there's there's opportunity, <laughs> uh, and um, and then with opportunity comes the need. Like I think parents previously were on wait lists, and we weren't really focusing on that. We've had wait lists for forty years, mm. uh, so this is there's no surprise in my mind that that you know this continues to be a huge problem. So Vivica talked about lighting a fire to make sure that there is a system of affordable childcare across the country. What has to be done to make more $10 a day childcare available coast to coast to coast? We need to make sure that we have to keep the provinces, like some provinces have, have not increased their own investment. We've got to ask the provinces to be a big part of this. It's their responsibility to implement. So we've got the federal investment. We need, we need a strategy for early childhood educators to stay in the system. We need a strategy to make sure that they're well compensated. That's all part of quality. So it's not just bums and seats. It's about a system of care that's quality for children, that's inclusive for all families across the country. And this is taking time. We've got great examples in Manitoba. Um, you know, they've got an initiative that they're uh, working working on that, you know, maybe we could try to duplicate it across Canada and it's ready to move program. And it's just a, a collaborative effort 
to um, build spaces. Um, we've got the Canadian Child Care Federation and Child Care Now working really hard across Canada trying to, um, you know, make sense and streamline the opportunities to build a stronger system. We, we, we need local governments, municipal governments to take responsibility to help us plan. We need a a management, um, a public management of this. Mm. We need public planning. This can't be just one-off centers popping up everywhere. We've done that. It's not the right way. We've got to look at perhaps how we run the school system and implement that way, perhaps. Just in in the few seconds that we have left, um, as this process ramps up, and as you said, it's a lot of money, and 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 there is an aspirational goal behind it. But parents are waiting for those yeah. spots. They're on those waiting lists. And so what advice, just very briefly, what advice would you give parents like Jordan and Faith who are looking for a spot right now and see themselves way back in, you know, position 80 on the waiting list? Yeah. Well, congratulations to Jordan. If she wants to open up her home, I beg her to go through the license system so that we can strengthen the license system and have good quality folks taking care of children in their homes. That's important. Uh, licensing is because mm. that's to the $10 a day uh, for all families. I have a feeling we'll talk more about this in future. In the meantime, I'm glad to be able to come back to this story now to get a bit of a check-in on where the system is at and where parents are at. Marnie, thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Marnie Flaherty is the Interim Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Child Care Federation. She was in Haldeman, Norfolk, Ontario. We'd love to hear from you. What is your struggle like to find affordable childcare in this country? What are you up against? You can email us, thecurrent at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.